Hey, dear ones, did you know that you have a built-in compass guiding you to your soul mission with all the tools you need to fulfill that soul mission? Sound exciting? Then join me for a Soul Blueprint, the only certification program that reveals how to amplify your five spiritual gifts so you can consciously create a life and business of massive soul line success. Enroll now at allisonscammell.com forward slash soul blueprint. And you can find that link in the show notes. Hello, dear one. This is Allison Scammell. And I have an informative, fun, and really inspirational episode for you today with a truly amazing guest. Today, we're speaking to Hillary Hendershot about how and why the universe wants us to be rich. It's a message I get from my higher self and my guides all the time that the divine wants us bringing in wealth and abundance and prosperity so we can live life to the fullest and serve more people. So in today's episode, Hillary reveals how to shed the social conditioning we've received that money is tied to greed and selfishness, how earning high income and building wealth is 100% in alignment with being a spiritual being, and how we can use our divinely feminine traits to call in more abundance and wealth. We end on a challenge that will enable you to create a flowing love relationship to money so you can serve at a higher level and to a larger audience. So stay with us until the end. Welcome to She Grows, a podcast for soul-guided women entrepreneurs ready to be seen and get fully booked using their unique genius, intuitive voice, and spirit guides. Each week, we'll explore how to create offerings based on what you do best so you can have a wait list of ideal clients and bring in continuous income. I'm your host, Allison Scamble. Let's get growing. Well, hey there, She Grows Nation. That is the name of this sisterhood of soul-guided entrepreneurs. If you're not already a citizen of She Grows Nation, then I invite you to join our Facebook group of nearly 1,000 women running heart-based businesses that are in service to each other and the planet. Today, I had the pleasure of speaking to Hillary Hendershot about how the universe wants you to be rich. Hillary Hendershot is the founder of Hendershot Wealth Management, a leading financial advisory firm for women and couples. With 21 years of experience as a fee-only fiduciary financial advisor and stock market expert, Hillary's mission is to empower women to take control of their finances and make their money work for them. Hillary hosts Profit Boss Radio, a weekly podcast where she and her guests offer inspiration and actionable advice to support women in their financial journey. She's also a TEDx speaker and has been featured in the Wall Street Journal, NBC, ABC, Fox, Daily Worth, Forbes, and Investopedia. I had an absolute blast speaking to Hillary and received so much wisdom for her. So may you receive as much as I did. Please enjoy. 
Welcome, Hillary. I'm really so excited to have you on the show, and I absolutely love this topic so much. That's fantastic. I'm glad you're excited, and so am I. Yay. So the universe wants you to be rich. I think that is so true. (laughs) And I think, you know, I'm a psychic medium, so I do a lot of channeling and talking to non-physical consciousness and they, that non, all the non-physical consciousness out there wants us to be rich. And my clients are often surprised by that. They're like, you mean my spirit guides want me to be rich? And I'm like, yep, they sure do. Why do you think people are surprised to hear that? I think that it, the roots of it are deep, especially with women and that it comes from a couple things. First of all, there's a lot of strongly held beliefs about money, that money causes or is a precursor, a determinant of bad behavior, greediness, selfishness. And that's not true, but we can talk about that more over the course of our conversation. And then the second part is, you know, just the deep roots of, frankly, the oppression of women. And women historically have lacked freedom to be autonomous, freedom to make choices. And of course, in order to keep people keep women with without freedom it, it had to be that we didn't have the right or the ability or the likelihood of coming into our own money in our name that we controlled so it's these two i think really and there's a lot to say about both of those sides of the conversation but i do think we're coming out of it at this point and i and i you know i think i i i too speak with a lot of entrepreneurs who resist wealth don't want to chase wealth aren't interested in saying that they want wealth and it's a big thing so cuz we're kind of perpetrating our own oppression yeah wow that's so <laughs> i love how you framed that so yeah one thing especially this time of year i sit down with my clients and the first thing i say is well let's talk about your financial goals for 2021 woohoo it's january right <laughs> and they So often, not all, but very often people come back and say, well, I don't do this for the money. So we don't need to talk about that. Right. So what do you say when you hear that from clients or something similar? I just don't do this for the money. Yep. So first of all, if it's true that the woman you're speaking to is already financially independent, maybe she has more money than she needs. She's a philanthropist. Her financial independence is taken care of. She owns assets that can pay her money if she stops working. Then fine, fine. If you've met your financial goals, then great. I'm going to guess though, Allison, that many of the people who hire you because there's something they want more of. Right. Yes, definitely. And they want to grow their business. Right. 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 And (laughs) and women tend to act like that's all about influence or benevolence making a positive difference. But no, you know, money is the way human society works, one of the fundamental domains of human concern, right? You have your spirituality, your body, your family, your social life, the world you live in, your career, and money. And I, I that's not an exact, exhaustive list. But the fact of the matter is that if your financial life doesn't work, there's a degree to which you are not self-actualized. You aren't maximizing your happiness, your joy, what's possible for you in the world. World. And, you know, we have all these strongly held beliefs that we don't go back and think about where did this strongly held belief come from? Why is it that I think I can't pursue money? I, I remember when I really got, I'm going to compare this to dating. When I finally realized I was done dating the bad boys and were actually really wanting to find someone to have a life partnership with, it was so hard for me to say, I actually want to date. 
I would like to date someone, a good quality person. And I just, I couldn't come out and say that. It's like as women, we aren't allowed to want or it's too vulnerable. And I'm not saying everyone resists saying they want to date. For some people, it's really easy. But the people you're talking about, they resist saying that they want financial freedom and independence. And by the way, financial health is when you spend less than you make and you're saving enough to be on track to earn the wealth that can pay you an income if you stop working or if you become ill or you just don't want to work, right? And that's retirement. Most people don't use the retirement word anymore. However, it's what I deal with all day. So I, I think I think that there is just a, a mess of emotionality and stuff that we came into as children that we carry into our future that can really be examined. And I really uh, spend a lot of time encouraging the women I work with to be unleashed about pursuing financial independence. One, one thing we have to really grapple with is that money is not a zero sum game. There are so many people who think that if I have a dollar, I took it from you. So if you and I do a voluntary transaction and you pay me, let's say you pay me $5,000 for something. Now I have $5,000 and you don't have it. Like in some way you are worse off. But first of all, that's not the case. The, the very fact that you traded your $5,000 with me for what I'm offering says that you value what I'm offering more than those $5,000. That's definitional. That's the definition of a voluntary transaction. No one held a gun to your head, right? You said, I want that, what you're offering. And then the second thing is, you know, in case you haven't noticed, if you pay attention to what's happening at the level of governance, you know, governments are making more money all the time. The supply of money and wealth is infinite, right? So it, it money is more like a flow than this object to be preserved or lost. And so I think it's really important that people people adopt. And I literally think of my money like a river or an ocean with tributaries. And there's ways in which particular uh, areas of my money flow are filling. And then when I spend money or I donate money, you know, my flow is going out that way. And that's the way I'm connected in my financial life. Okay. I said a lot. <laughs> Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And I, part of the, my work as a coach is I'm an energy worker, energy healer, and I like to tune into the energy of money. It's also an energy frequency. Yeah. And that energy frequency is one of love. It's really ultimately one of love. Well, and money isn't a thing, right? Money doesn't exist in the real tangible world. And, and I'm just, saying supporting things to what you just said is like money isn't the paper dollars or, you know, in your case, the, you're in euros, right? I'm in euros. Yep. Okay. <laughs> in your case, the paper euros and money doesn't exist in your credit card. That's just bits and bytes. I mean, for example, you know, if you get on a commercial airline flight, they don't take your euros or your paper dollars in exchange for the food or drinks that they're selling. That's not currency on those in that environment, because that's not actually money has no material nature. And to what you just said, absolutely, money is an energy, it's an energy of abundance and love. And I think the, the more people can adopt that thinking, the more their lives and their businesses will open up to abundance. Mm, yes, yes. So let's talk about this more. So we get these old messages yeah. that we were uh, for most of us, you know, conditioned to that money is tied to greed and selfishness. So how do we shed these old messages? So I think 
once you, so the first step is to admit, right, they say in the 12 step programs, is to get honest about what your beliefs are about money. And for most people, I mean, in my coaching program, sometimes it takes a couple months for people to really articulate what their thoughts are about money. Uh, I'll give you an example. Someone in my coaching program now, you know, one of their journaling prompts is, what do you believe about money? And, and his response was, I don't know. I, I don't think, I, I don't know. Right. And and it turned out that during the 30 days when that was his assignment, he watched a video of wealthy people, wealthy entrepreneurs talking about their wealth. And what he noticed is how far from them he felt, how alienated, how he felt that those people were above him and distant from him. And of course, that's a sign, right? That's an indication of a belief about money or himself in relationship to money. And so there's this process of cataloging your beliefs about money, like putting it on paper for the first time. It's like, whoa, look at those things. And then really acknowledging or saying to yourself intellectually, I can now see and know that there are no things that are true about money. Money is a blank slate. In the same way, rich people do bad things with money. So too do rich people do good things with money and broke people do bad things in the world, right? It isn't causal. It isn't a precondition. There are plenty of benevolent, lovely, loving, rich people. And then so getting committed to changing those beliefs. And so the more you study neuroplasticity and the changing of the brain, the better you can get at it. And I think the one thing I can say to help people is that, you know, for example, if you believe there's never enough money, and this was really mine, and I ruined myself financially, by the way, 12 or so years ago, I had almost $450,000 in debt in various forms, mortgage, auto, credit cards, student loans, the whole nine. And uh, I just really realized, by the way, I had a degree in economics. I, I mean, I, I have a math brain. I used to tutor the math portion of the college admissions test. So, you know, I can do arithmetic. It's not that I'm bad at math. I was just really bad at money. And what I saw was that I was manifesting there's never enough money again and again by overspending what came into my ecosystem. And what, and so if you have, there's never enough money. It isn't true that you need to flip that on its head and do a 180 and say, money grows on trees. Money is always around me. Money is with me in abundance. You know, that kind of thing, if that works for you, great. And I, I would I would articulate that as being a sort of an affirmation. If affirmations work for you, more power to you. For most people, though, they're sort of icing on a mud pie. That <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and, and so to begin to unwind, I always encourage people to insert uncertainty. So if the belief is there's never enough money, you're also going to find yourself saying things like, I can't afford that, or I could never have that. So to unseat certainty, start to say, I wonder how I could get there. I wonder what people around me have gotten there. I wonder what people like me have done to achieve that or to get that or to bring that into their lives, right? Like I wonder is a powerful statement. And, it, and it's a muscle that you build over time. And then the second thing I'll say is that if you are able to take on money management practices that alter 
your strongly held belief about money. So for example, if you think the root of money is the root of all evil and you start donating, you know, generous amounts to charities you love, or if you think there's never enough money and you sort of create an automated system that fills a savings account with money over time, you, then you are actually undoing the programming because you're actually producing results that contradict your strongly held belief and it your brain cannot handle cognitive dissonance. Your brain does not like cognitive dissonance. And if you can produce it, and this really worked for me, is to to create a system in my life that I abided by with discipline in the beginning. And now it's just a self-expression that had me pay off my debt and build up my savings accounts again, that I was able to really unravel those strongly held beliefs and produce much more powerful ones. At this point, you know, I've completely refilled the retirement accounts. And just to share with your listeners so that they understand, I know what I'm talking about. I, I, I am definitely financially independent at this point. I could stop working if I wanted to. And so I've just teach this stuff and it's something that I really love doing. That's amazing. I had an you know, I, I grew up on a family farm in the 1980s and all family farms were going bankrupt. So obviously money and not having enough of it was a really big thing. And then it was the question of, do you file chapter 11, which is actually better, was a better deal for most farmers, but then your pick, your name gets printed in the paper and then people know. (laughs) So I saw these farmers, you know, taking this much worse deal by not filing chapter 11 so they could save their name not going in the paper. And that just really stuck with me. Mm-hmm. Um, because I saw it from my own dad. So I just remember from the, being very young and saying, file chapter 11. Who cares if your name is in the paper? I mean, this is just a better, you know, more easeful situation you'll put yourself into. Right. And I think that I took that as an adult, like, I'm just going to make it easy for myself with money. And I did that. But then, you know, so then you can kind of think like, oh, you know, you know, I have this great relationship with money, but then I always feel like there's something and I always feel like you can go that next layer in. And the the thought that I realized I was struggling with is I have to work very hard to earn money. Mm-hmm. That's a popular one. Yeah, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have to really effort to earn. So you talked about a system. Mm-hmm. Say more about that. Is that like a system that you take beliefs through or a system you manage your money with? What's the system you use? It is a system that I call automation. I I trademark this term profit boss. It's the name of my podcast. And so technically I call it profit boss automation. And what it is, I describe, you know, the dealing with your beliefs. And by the way, you did a perfect job of articulating your relationship to money and the way you described money. And, you know, I'm going to make it easy on myself with money is a it sounds like a great belief, a great way to describe money. However, just as you said, you know, the definition of describe means to draw a circle around. So anything that's in the circle is in, anything that's out of the circle is out. And ultimately, you know, like I said, money is a blank slate. So you could say that even though that sounds really great, there's a way in which it is limiting. So that's just an acknowledgement of what you said. And uh, so I have found that dealing with your mindsets and beliefs, money psychology, money mindset, I call that below the line. But you also have to deal with because money needs you to manage it without you consciously commanding it and being the manager of it, being the sorceress of it, whatever that word is for you. 
it's not going to work in your life. You have to do both. Okay. Dealing with your money mindset only isn't going to bring more money into your life if you don't ask for the business, raise your prices, manage people, right? Like you have to do all those sort of really earthly things. So profit boss automation is an alternative to budgeting. I hate budgeting. It doesn't work for almost anyone I know, uh, unless you're a very detail oriented engineer, but I've met hundreds of people who spend three full days working on a budget and they're so proud of it. And then they never do a thing about it. It's like, <laughs> it's like this psychic leech that, that sort of sits back, sits there and never gets enacted on. So profit boss automation is literally a system of multiple accounts. So your money, your income comes into one account. If you're a business owner and you follow a, a system called profit first, you're familiar with the idea of maybe siphoning off some of that money for taxes, siphoning off some of that money for for profit, putting those in separate accounts so you don't see them. You don't bu budget by bank account balance in your business. But then also you're going to transfer some of that money to your personal income accounts and then money flows to your commitments. So you have travel desires. You want to travel in 2021, you have a travel account. You pay that forward. You're definitely going to have to pay personal taxes if you earn profit, if you have an income. You 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 send that money over to your tax savings account if you're not withholding in your paycheck. I save money for the holidays every year. So if you celebrate Hanukkah or Christmas or Kwanzaa and that's an expensive event for you or you know whatever your budget is for that, you can pre pay it by saving for it all year long. And you can have, you know, there's debt you might be paying off, but you make those payments first. And then what's left over is what you spend for fun. And that really is the linchpin to financial success. The vast majority of humanity spends what they want to spend, and then they handle their lumpy or long-term commitments last. And so by turning that on its ear, you really have won the money game. I mean, it's it, it sounds so simple and it does require discipline to right-size your life in the beginning. But if you do this month after month, you'll be shocked. I have had, I mean, I've literally had clients who are in my wealth coaching program pay off multiple six figures of debt using this system. And I have high net worth investors who work with me in the, my wealth management practice who manage it, you know, $3 million of, I mean, I manage their investment portfolio, but we send them income every month and they manage their income. This is how they know when they can buy their next car, when they can go golfing, when they can take that cruise and they love the system. It's super elegant. Mm, I love the idea of that. And just as you were talking about it, you know, what was happening. You were flowing. It, yeah. it just felt like a river. It didn't feel complicated. It didn't feel boxed in. It felt flexible and expanding and flowing. And yeah, I feel like you reflected what you were talking about earlier in the conversation. Thank you. Yeah, I often describe it like a system of irrigation in your garden. So, you know, you set the hoses up so that the money flows where you want your flowers and plants to grow. I love that. And I just have to say, we do have a lot of international listeners. So chapter 11 means filing for bankruptcy. If, <laughs> if that doesn't, if that's not what it means in your country, that's what it means in the United States. <laughs> I just wanted to clarify that. Yeah. So let's talk about this flow a little bit more. So can you tell us how earning a higher income and building wealth is 100% in alignment with being a spiritual being or a spiritual entrepreneur? Absolutely. Well, you start with the 
you start with the belief that we're all connected, that human beings are all part of the same consciousness. We're essentially spiritual beings having a tertiary experience or an in-body experience. And just know that there's a lot happening that we can't see or perceive with our conscious minds, that human beings invented money. It literally is imaginary. It only works because we all operate with trust within the system and it would break down ultimately if we stopped trusting in it. So you you have to really grapple with the imaginary fantastical nature of money. And then and then just know that we all at some point went kind of crazy about money. Almost everybody, and that includes people who are rich and people who are not, has some level of crazy about money. And the folks in my programs, we really laugh because I'm like, that's your crazy, that's your crazy. But it's empowering to really get your crazy. That the universe wants abundance and like you said, love for every human being. And the very fact that there are so many examples of people who were born in into constriction and scarcity and poverty, who have completely altered that reality for themselves and created abundance and benevolence, and in some cases, philanthropy, you know that human beings have a capacity to shut out wealth. And so it isn't true that poverty is your natural state. It's true that abundance is your natural state. There's so much wealth in the world, right? If you just look around you, the beautiful environment we live in that works for human beings is all brought about by our communal living and voluntary exchange. And it is right and righteous for you to participate in that, that there's more, there's more wealth out there than can ever be consumed by human beings. And you can have and should have your fair share. Mm, That is a beautiful perspective. And can you tell us how this specifically relates to female entrepreneurs like how if uh, if you consider yourself like a spiritual entrepreneur and you're woman (laughs) how can we adopt the right energy or mindset or approach this in our business to get this alignment I honestly at this point Allison see it as our responsibility that there's so much Gosh, I am not. This is not at all intended to be political. There's a lot going on in politics right now, and I I don't mean to even to touch on that. And there's violence in the world. There's corruption in the world. There's unfairness. There's um, oppression. All that's happening, and those are not the traits that are natural to a woman in power. And I have really found my home working with and for empowering women because I honestly see that the shift, a shift in the world to what I call divinely feminine traits would be such an absolute manifestation of beauty and a rebalancing on this planet. And money is key to that. I mean, we need power in our speaking. We need power in our community. And ultimately, money is a form of power. And there's nothing wrong with power. It's Power isn't necessarily force. That power is influence and power is the ability to make manifest in the world. You're speaking to speak a reality into the world that doesn't yet exist and have it manifest. And I'm just very interested in and engaged in 
empowering women to have more influence on the planet. And money is a key part of that. So tell us a little bit more about those divinely feminine traits you just mentioned. I think at the core of every human being is love, men and women and any gender in between. And there is a natural yin yang to the gender to the genders. And so I'm not speaking in stereotypes. There are exceptions to every rule. And with a broad brush, you could say that some of the traits that women are more inclined to are to be community oriented, to share, to be loving, to be nurturing, to be empowering, to to be in partnership, right? And there are divinely male traits, okay? So this isn't about rejecting men. And I think that historically business has been about domination, competition. There's a, there's an annual event called, oh God, Wor- World Domination Summit. So male, right? And that's the force field of business. And unfortunately, it got tilted that way. And that business doesn't have to be that way, that we can influence. And it's happening all around, Allison. You're a part of it. You are definitely manifesting it. And there are lots of entrepreneurs who are. There are events, there are communities, there are networking events, there are entrepreneurs absolutely doing business this way, where it is literally about manifesting these these things that we want for the world, that business is no longer about dominating and amassing empires of wealth. And there's nothing wrong with having an empire of wealth, right? So you have to be careful what you empower and what you critique. But I just think that we as women, it's time for us to take back our power and to be fully expressed women embodying the beautiful traits that are natural to us. That is really beautiful. So Tell us what you would offer to someone who comes to you and says, Hillary, I am a spiritual entrepreneur and I do want to bring in more wealth, but I do feel stuck with my money. Like where should they start to um, open up this pathway and really plug into that abundance that we're in that love and that flow that mm-hmm. we were, we've mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I trademarked a term card called the money operating system. And it's, I mean it to designate a specific core belief that we all got imprinted with about money. And maybe, Allison, you already shared yours during this interview. You shared a couple things. But there is a core belief that you made up as a child. And you got it from your parents, probably, or the adults around you. Because remember, most adults are totally crazy about money. And so somebody at some point said something to you about money. And you either decided that was true about money or that you were going to spend your life proving it to not be true. And uh, so you'll find yourself in one expression of that. Mine, I got from my mom who didn't, was a, there's nothing wrong with what she said or did, right? But what she, what happened was she was working very hard on an average income and she was a great saver. So we just didn't have a lot for what you might call fun spending. And so I was embarrassed to go to birthday parties with a $5 birthday gift. And this was in the 80s. Okay. So just some sense of where we're at financially. <laughs> and so it was five bucks and I was embarrassed 
embarrassed. And I thought everyone's going to know. I, I mean, I don't think I articulate it like everything. Everyone's going to know I'm poor, but I decided there's never enough money. I could never have the things I wanted. My wants were not fulfilled on my mother's spending budget. And so I decided there's never enough money. And I set about my life proving that was true. And as soon as I could see the insidiousness of it, it all became clear, this pattern that I had manifested. And so the work that you, the answer, the question, the answer to the question that you just asked is each person, each spiritual entrepreneur needs to do that work for his or her herself to look at what are the scripts that you're empowering about money my your yours isn't going to be identical to mine we all have an individual belief system and there are very common ones i think there's never enough money is one of the most common you have to work hard for money is probably the second most common and then there are ones that sound super positive like there's always enough money and between you and me sometimes people who think there's always enough money are wrong about that they actually live in the world like they have more money than they actually have and so they even they have to be careful about their limiting beliefs and so it really is this idea of identifying your money operating system and then cataloging in two realms. What do you say to yourself about money? And you could call those your thoughts about money. And then what do you say to other people about money? And for most people, because we have a culture where money is private, so they say, we don't talk to other people about money. Mostly you think things to yourself about money. And maybe if you have a financial partner, a spouse, that you speak to that person about money. And so, and sometimes you, all you can articulate are emotions or some of you think in images about money. You've got to get all this down. You've got to journal it all out. And sometimes it takes a couple months because it's so the water we swim in, right? And so you want to attach the things that you think and say about money to the behaviors. In my case, there's never enough money. Anytime money came into my bank account, I had to spend it and I would spend it to make you like me. You would have loved going out to the restaurant or the bar with me because I paid for everything and everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> I was buying love, babe. And, uh, <laughs> and, and I could tie those behaviors. And like you said, you know, you talked about being transparent and honest with money. That was my freedom. I spent my entire life up until I hit my financial rock bottom pretending that my financial life was a particular way and it wasn't. And so my freedom was getting honest with people. I told my business mentor, my parents, my friends, I put my condo on the market. I rented it first. And then unfortunately, I did get foreclosed on. I had one of those loans where the balance of the loan went up every month. It was insane. It was like nuts the way I had set up my financial life. And But I got honest. I told everyone the complete truth. If you had called me if you had called me after I got honest about money and said, let's go out to dinner, I would have said, if I had money left in my spending account, great. But if we're at the end of my two-week pay period, I would have said, great, you're paying for me and I, I'm not offering to pay you back right now. Like I'm hoping I'll be rich one day and I promise to buy everything for you then, but I don't have any money. And I was just so black and white honest about it. And that was my freedom. So there'll be a freedom for you as well if you're looking at your financial situation 
and you have articulated the impacts of your strongly held beliefs on your financial behavior, there's a way in which you can get really honest about what you need and what you want. And to begin to shift those sayings, those beliefs, you have to do it in your speaking. You have to start saying different things about money to your friends, family, and the people you talk to about money. And that really is the bridge. It absolutely is the bridge that will take you from one side of the river to the other. That is really powerful stuff. And I love the example you gave. And I'm sure everyone listening can really relate to that. And I think probably as people are listening to it, your own stories are just coming forth. And I know mine are just as we've gone through this conversation, I'm like, oh, you know, and now I know what my homework is when we (laughs) wrap this up. So I like to ask our podcast guests to leave our listeners with a challenge Leave our listeners with a challenge on this topic. The universe wants you to be rich. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that this, that the journaling prompt would be my challenge is to sit down. I mean, it might, like I said, it might take 60 days, but get committed to it. What are your strongly held beliefs about money? And you might have to speak with other people to really identify it. What are your behaviors about money that don't work? And then, and then to begin to say different things to people about money. Just like when I, when it was such a breakthrough for me to say, I would actually like to date like a healthy guy who I feel good around most of the time, who doesn't lie to me or cheat on me. Or it was like a breakthrough for me to say that. And it might be a breakthrough for you to say to your coach or your colleague or your friend or your partner, I really would like the financial area of my life to work. I'm committed to that. I'm going to have this area of life work. I don't know how to do it right now, but I'm figuring out. I'm going to become a money expert. That would be such a huge breakthrough for so many of you, and it will absolutely alter. It would just begin to crack your reality about money. So powerful. I love that challenge. (laughs) So Hillary, please tell our listeners how they can find you. Yeah, thanks. I have a podcast. It is called Profit Boss Radio. You can find that anywhere you listen to podcasts if you have room in your podcast lineup. Also, everything I do is available at my main website, which is just my name, Hillary with one L and Hendershot with two T's. So it's HillaryHendershot.com. And all of those links will be in the show notes. So Hillary, thank you so much. This was a fantastic and I feel really timely. I feel like, you know, we're all sort of, we're still licking our wounds from 2020. I know. It's 2021, but I just, I feel like the truth is when you don't read the newspapers, the truth is that there's so much abundance out there. There's so much love. Yes, (laughs) there really is. There really is. And if you want to tune into that abundance, don't read the newspapers to tune into it. Do this work that Hillary talked about. And, and I think that those who want it, those spiritual entrepreneurs who are ready, I think that 2021 is going to be a great year for building amazing abundance in our businesses. I really am optimistic about 2021. I, I feel this inexplicable joy and this excitement about what's coming this year. And maybe it's just that we're all so ready for joy and freedom. And But I, I just, I can't, I've been saying this to everyone. I'm so optimistic about this year. And so I'm looking forward to good things to come. Oh, me too. And I share your optimism. Thank you again so much, Hillary. And I'd love to thank you so much for listening. 
And if you're loving this episode, go ahead and hit subscribe wherever it is you listen. And as always, I'd be so grateful for a rating and review so more people can find us. And if you'd like help calling ideal clients into your business right now, then download my recently updated free checklist to remove the five visibility blocks that are preventing your ideal clients from finding you. Your offerings are just too important to remain invisible, so this checklist will help you be seen and get fully booked. You can find a link to download on my website, alisonscammell.com, as well as in the show notes.